Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Mark the fourth chapter. Praise the Lord. I hope you brought your, your spiritual ears with you today. Mark the fourth chapter. And before we read the scripture, we're going to actually go through a few verses here in Mark 4. I want to read to you a verse in Genesis 8.22 that actually God gave to uh, Moses after the great flood. He says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat. I wish you'd have scratched that one out. And summer and winter, winter, scratch that out, no. And day and night shall, shall not cease. So he was telling me, as long as the earth remains, the law of seed time and harvest would be, would be alive and well and very active. And why is that important? Because everything about life is based on uh, two laws, which I'll give you after I read this. Mark the fourth chapter. Let me get there in my Bible. Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And, uh, I, I, and I want to encourage you. Again, I know a lot of people don't do this, but I think it's important to bring your Bible to church. And, uh, and um, Anyway, Mark 4, chapter, verse 1. And Jesus began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude. When it says great multitude, uh, just stop for a moment, because there were times we would say multitude, there were 15,000. So when it says great multitude, there could have been 30,000, 40,000 people there. The entire region, the entire region was being impacted by Jesus' ministry. Isn't that cool? So he literally got into a boat, why? To use it as, a, uh, to use it as an echo, uh, his words would uh, flow off the water and so that people could hear him. That's why he did that. And he got into a boat and a ship and sat the sea with the whole multitude by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables. So there was many parables which we will discover in the Bible as we go, but but he specifically was addressing one parable. And what is a parable? A parable is simply using a natural story to reveal a spiritual truth. Uh, that's what a parable is. And that's what Jesus was doing here in Mark 4. And he taught them many things. And he said, verse 3, Hearken, behold, uh, there went out a sower to sow. So he's about to teach on the parable of the sower, which we'll find out as we go on. Okay, now... Uh, the Message Bible says, uh, listen, what do you make of this? A farmer planted seed. So everything that has to do with creation, everything that has to do with humanity, both internally and externally, is, is, is the fruit of or the result of two spiritual laws. The law of Genesis, which is specifically everything produces after its own kind. And then there's the law of seed time and harvest, or we call it the law of sowing and reaping. Amen. That God enforced in the, I mean, actually enforce this. He uses that in the realm of the spirit. Whatever he wants in the realm of the spirit, he speaks it forth, he sows it, and it comes to pass. If you agree, say amen. So the, the law of Sita and Harvest really was God example. Think about this. It was God exemplifying his love for man through his generosity uh, of giving. Uh, he says it's a 30, 60, and 100 fold. That was God's plan. Say, God wants to bless my life. Say it, say it like you mean it. Now say exceedingly. exceedingly. Amen. He really does. Exceedingly. Hallelujah. He cares about you. He loves you. He wants you. I mean, I'm a parent. If I had the means, which I really didn't, you know, we came, we came here again, you know, when we came here, we came here. I came here with my wife, uh, with um, three children, eight, whatever, five, Andrew was five, Amy was eight, I think, and, and Andy was six months old. And we came here with $26,000 in the bank. 
And, uh, and we lived in that for about uh, two years. And, and then, of course, um, God took over from them. Hallelujah. And so, but when we came, we were, we were just, uh, we were trusting God, believing God that a church would grow. And the church did grow. And, of course, we've been through uh, a few adversities in our lives through the years of, uh, of uh, keeping and preserving the lives of people. Um, I told the Lord one day, I said, Lord, I, I kind of feel sorry for you because you got to work through people. <laughs> that was funnier than you responded. But it's true. He's got to work with us, and he's got to work in us. Amen. But he gave us a 30, 60, and a hundredfold, and that's true regarding both our spiritual needs and our natural needs. And I bring that up. I only brought that up to tell you that because we were seed planters in the very beginning of our ministry and have never stopped being sowers that provision has always been there. We, we have never been out on the street. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was kind of funny. One year, you know, we actually moved into the church back in 18, 19, eight, no, 18. I'm not that old, 1800s. Uh, 19, <laughs> in, uh, 19, in 19, when you say 1900, that sounds like a long time ago. In 1989, we actually for three months lived, into the church, lived in, in the church and, uh, for a season. And it was so funny. It was back there in 89, 89, I was believing God for a motorcycle. Because I, I actually, I, I rode my last motorcycle when I was 20. Because why? I didn't, I have no idea how it happened. But Vicky was pregnant three months after we were married. And, um, and so here we are with a child, no money. And now, in 1989, we're still, things are tight. We're living in a church. And I'm believing God for a motorcycle. And Vicky goes, oh, that's wonderful, honey. Are you going to drive it from the park, church parking lot all around to the front of the church door and then back into the parking lot? She had a point. Anyway. <laughs> but God is always provided for us. Amen. Both our spiritual needs and our natural needs. Let me give an example about spiritual needs. In Lamentation 3, here's what um, uh, the prophet Jeremiah wrote. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. This is what I remember. It is of the Lord's mercies, plural, that we are not consumed. You have to understand, they did not have the revelation that we have. They really thought that God was both the author of crisis and the author of blessing. The author of war and the author of peace. But God is the author of all that is good. If you agree, say amen to that. Amen. And so, so he, that's what he's saying. But, but his focus is on this. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions, or that's plural, also fail not. They, his mercies and compassions, are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. What, what does he mean by that? Great is your faithfulness, God, that you enforce those every morning. Isn't that good? Come on. The Lord is my portion, saith the Lord, therefore I will hope in him. In Matthew 18, then Peter came to Jesus and said, now these are the spiritual benefits for the believer. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? And Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Now that was for Peter's benefit as much as it is for ours. But when I read that, the Holy Spirit said to me, read that vice versa. So, and I saw immediately what he was saying. It, 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 we're amazing. But here's what, here's what Peter probably should have said. Let me read this. 
Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall I sin against my brother and he forgive me? And Jesus said, seven, seven times? Are you kidding me? I need more than that. Isn't that good? Lord, how? But it was He said it the other way. The other way. But it's very interesting. How many are grateful that there's more forgiveness than just seven times? Amen. Isn't that beautiful? But anyway, that was for free. I thought it was good. So multiplication is a great blessing when you're sowing the good seeds of God's character, but not so if you're sowing seeds of your fallen nature. Now, in the case of the Corinthian believers, God's character, the Bible says, God's character in the Corinthian believers being choked out by envy, jealousy, strife, and division, which they themselves had perpetrated within their own hearts. You can read that in 1 Corinthians, uh, the, uh, the third chapter. Here's what it says in verse 1. Brethren, Paul says, I could not talk to you as to spiritual men, but as to non-spiritual men, men of the flesh, meaning you're, you're so carnal, you're acting exactly like you did before you were saved. That's what he's saying to them, okay? As... Um, as uh, a, a non-spiritual men of the flesh in whom the carnal nature predominates. As to mere infants in the new, new life in Christ, unable to talk yet or unable to communicate the love language of God. I mean, that's exactly what he's talking about because he addresses love in chapter 13. Isn't that good? In fact, what's interesting, stop for a moment. Just think about, we're, we're gonna get into this, this talking about seed time and harvest. Think about this. There were nine gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 14. And there are nine fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, uh, Galatians 5.22. And they were so proud of themselves that they operated in the nine gifts of the Spirit, but, uh, but only God could expose the real spiritual condition in their hearts because they lacked the nine fruit of the Spirit. So what's greater? The fruit. Isn't that good? That's also free. I just got that from the Lord, so that was good. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, let's go. Galatians 6. And this is exactly what Paul was referencing in his letter to the believers in Galatia. Here's what it says. Don't be misled. He's writing to the church, the believers at Galatia. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only, those believers, those Christians who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, and it's something we almost avoid, will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Holy Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Holy Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good, for just at the right time we'll, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up and return to the satisfy, satisfying of our sinful nature. Are you all with me this morning so far? Okay, Mark the fourth chapter. Let's begin there. Verse 26. Now, we're going to go back to verse 14 uh, on, on, on Wednesday night. And, and uh, here's another story illustrating what the kingdom of God is like. How, lift your hand if you're part of the kingdom of God. Anybody here part of the kingdom of God? Well, thank you. Here's another story illustrating what the kingdom of God is like. A farmer sowed his field and went away. And as the days went by, the seeds grew and grew without his help. For the soil made the seeds grow. First a leaf blade pushed through. Later the wheat heads formed. And finally the grain ripened. Everybody say hallelujah. Because that's what we're looking for as farmers. Then the farmer came out at once with his sickle and he harvested it. Okay. 
That's what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is based on the spiritual laws of the law of Genesis and the law of sowing and reaping or the law of seed time and harvest. God has never gotten anything except through his confession. Every word you speak is seed being scattered on the hearts, on the, on the, on the fertile soil of men's hearts, your wife's heart, your husband's heart, your children's hearts. Every word is a seed that finds a place to, to uh, germinate and grow. Verse 30, and he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable or story shall we use to illustrate and explain it? Here it is. It is like a grain of mustard seed. Watch this. Which, when, is, when it's sown in the ground, is the smallest of all seeds upon the earth. Now, see, you may think that your little expression of lifting your hands and praise God doesn't do much, but it does in the realm of the Spirit. It's small to you, but it's big to God. It's small compared to what you're facing, but it's big to God because now he sees that you are trusting him with your life. Come on, lift your hands and give him praise for a moment. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. Isn't that good? It's good. Amen. But it seems small, but it isn't in the eyes of God. Why? Because every seed of God's word, when it's scattered upon the fertile soil of your own heart, will grow and bring a harvest. Let's go on. Now, it's the smallest of all seeds upon the earth, yet after it's sown, it grows and becomes the greatest of all garden herbs and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air are able to make um, nests and dwell in the shade. Now, don't get hung up on that. He's simply saying, he's just simply saying, when you begin to bear the fruit of God, it impacts more lives than you think. Isn't that good? And I'm grateful, you know, in this story that Jesus stooped to our intelligence and use natural stories to illustrate how his kingdom operates because that's where you must operate because you're in his kingdom. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And of course, farming was um, a, a, a huge part of the Israelis' uh, provision, their livelihood. Verse three, Mark four, verse three. Now Jesus says, give attention to this. Behold, a sower or a farmer went out to sow. Now, I've I, I ordered this it only was like eight bucks. I think it cost more to ship than it did to get it. These are new offering bags. And we're not leaving here this morning until it's full. This is exactly the kind of, and I love the smell because that's what we had on the farm when I was a boy. Our, our feed for the hogs and stuff, it came in bags like this. Only, only they were 50-pound bags, uh, bags that I could only drag, not lift. Anyway. Uh, in burlaps, so they would just sit in uh, the farmer, and this is how they, that's how they did it. They'd take a handful, and they'd just spread it. Oh, wow. And they'd spread it, and they'd spread it, and spread it. And, uh, and it, of course, in spreading it, um, they just uh, trusted that it would land in, in, in good soil and produce a harvest for them. But we'll find out in this parable that that seed actually fell on four different types of soil. It was the same soil, but different types of environment that the seed fell into. Let's go on. The Bible says, and as he was sown, some fell among, along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Amen. That just means the seed on the ground may have benefited the birds, but it didn't benefit the sower. He reaped nothing from that. It was wasted seed. Let's go on. Another seed of the same kind fell on ground full of rocks, where it had not much soil. And at once it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. Okay, And when the sun uh, came up, it was scorched. Why? Because it had not taken root. And because of that, 
The sun scorched it and it withered. Again, there's zero return on that man's investment. He, he received nothing, okay? And uh, I wrote this on. In this environment, the seed germinator began its metamorphosis. Yet because it didn't have a good root system, and we'll talk about the spiritual aspect of it, it couldn't take the heat, therefore it withered. Let's go on, verse 7. Other seed of the same kind fell among thorn plants, and the thistles grew and pressed together and utterly choked and suffocated it, the harvest, or, or the harvest that should have been, and it, the, the thorn-fested ground, yielded nothing. Again, here it is. That seed took root, even began to grow, but was choked out by the thorn plants around it. We were out in Black Hills about three weeks ago in, in uh, uh, this my wife and I had to go out there and do a wedding, and uh, we took the Harley with, and we cruised to the hills, had a great time. But what's amazing is that trees that grow out of rocks. I'm serious. I mean, they're, 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 I don't know how much soil is in there, but, I mean, and it will push, and it will, I'm sure you could hear it grunt if you got close to it, just pushing. Why? Because that seed, that, that was, that was, it, it, God breathed on that seed to do what it's supposed to do, and that is to germinate and grow. And I'm just shocked about how, how the trees do that. But have you ever noticed, even in a garden, weeds, you can spit on the ground. And every good plant around you will wither while your weeds grow. Is that true? That just goes to show you that a harvest just doesn't come because you're just a hope and an intuition. You have to become a tremendous good steward of the ground, if that seed is going to reach its full, um, uh, its full maturity and bring back a harvest back into your life. Amen. Uh, when I read this, it so reminded me of the, uh, Matthew's gospel where Jesus exposed the absence of God's presence in the Pharisees who were supposed to represent God. Here's what Jesus said. He said, either make the tree good and his fruit, so he's, he's talking about a person, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. And I think, you know, again, I've said this through the years, and people have come to me and get all excited, you know, because, you know, they hear a message from me, they're all excited, and they come up and say, Pastor, I really want to get to know you. And I go, no, you don't. Because <laughs> when you do, you'll find I'm just like you, battling the same things of life. Yeah. Amen? That's why people get disappointed because they find out that we're not, we're just like you and they're looking for somebody that's not like you and the only one that is not like you is Jesus. <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. Let's go on. He goes on and says this, O generation, look at what Jesus says, this love child <laughs> says, O generation of vipers, how can you being evil, he's talking about within, Speak good things, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, a good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, brings forth good things. Well, listen, you think about a good treasure. A good treasure is something that's valuable. Is that correct? It's valuable. But guess what? Only, only the guy that has the treasure, only that guy put the treasure in there. He put the treasure in there. He knows the value of that treasure. So, he's, so a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And evil, that word evil means degenerate. A degenerate man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So I say unto you, 
Every idle, that word means unemployed, useless, and barren. Every useless and barren word that men speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Now, that word judgment is an interesting word. It actually in the Greek means, uh, he says, in the day of the divine law, which in this case was the law of Genesis and seed time and seed time and harvest, which exposed them for what they were, were inwardly. And then he goes on and says, for by thy words shall, thou shalt be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. So outwardly, outwardly the, the Pharisees, they looked the part of holiness. They looked the part of righteousness. They looked the pride of humility. But they were just the opposite in every way. Listen, and it was discovered every time they spoke. They were full of criticalness, judgmental, you know. Uh, can you believe that Jesus would heal a man with a withered hand right in front of them? And they wouldn't even stop for a moment and have respect for him for doing good. And yet they would, and yet if their donkey fell into a pit, they would take that on the Sabbath day. Oh, but if somebody gets healed, that's some. I mean, you talk about hypocrisy. You talk about blindness. But that's the way they were. So Jesus was exposing them for what they were. So anyway, there's three different environments of soil. And yet no return for this farmer. No return. Okay. I like what verse 36 in the Message Bible says in 37. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back and haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation, and words can also be your damnation. Why? Because you're going to harvest either good or evil. All depends what you've been sowing. That's why you have to be so careful. I do too. I one of my greatest challenges in my life, personally, and, and I'm always transparent with people, is when I mess up, I always blame myself. Always. I never blame other people. It's me. And I get so mad at myself. Raise your hand if any of you are like that. You just get mad at yourself. You just, I don't, I don't, you know, my problems are me. Not anybody else. Me. So it takes a lot. You can see by this study, it takes a lot to bear good. It, it takes a lot to bear a harvest of, of godliness. It takes a, I mean, it takes a lot of discipline. It does. Amen. How many of you have said something you wish you'd never said it? <laughs> see? See? This is what gets us in trouble. Can you imagine if we would know when to say something and not to, how great marriages would be? I'll go back behind the pulpit. <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Mark 4, verse 8. I'm almost done here, then we'll pray together. Other seed of the same kind fell into good, well-adapted soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing, and yielded up to 30 times as much, 60 times as much, and 100 times as much as had been sown. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him be hearing and let him consider and comprehend. Hallelujah. Amen. So in this whole series of, of, of soil, four different types, one did produce up to 3,600 fold. And again, as I said earlier, as I said earlier, that's great if it's good seed, but not good if it's bad seed. And that's something that you and I have to work on on a daily basis. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, he said this, You are God's garden and vineyard and field under cultivation. You are God's garden, listen, but you're also the steward of God's garden. You really are. I am. That's why, you know, in life, in life you can't just simply 
be so careless as to blame everybody else the challenges you face. If you take care of your heart and you discipline your confession and you stay true to that, you'll create an environment that is conducive for a good harvest of God's best in your life. And I want God's best for my life, and I know you do too. Amen. Now let's go back to Mark 4, verse 10. And as soon as he was alone, those who were around him with the 12 apostles began to ask him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been entrusted the mystery of the kingdom of God. That is the secret counsels of God which are hidden from the ungodly. What a privilege that we see things the world does not, can't see. We understand truths, heavenly truths, eternal secrets. They call them mysteries. We, we tap into those, praise God, individually and corporately as a body because God has opened up our eyes. Amen. He says, which are hidden from the ungodly. But for those outside of our circle, everything becomes a parable in order that they may indeed look and look but not see and perceive and may hear and hear but not grasp and comprehend. Lest happily they should turn again and it, their willful rejection of the truth, should be forgiven them. So every time, every time, kids, that you see, you see something from the word of God, you go, oh, that's good. The Bible calls that revelation knowledge. But revelation knowledge isn't given to us just to make us feel good, though it does. It's given to us so that we can apply that to our lives and become stronger believers and bear more of the attributes of God in our lives. That's why God has given us these awesome truths. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to close in Hosea 10, verse 12. So anyway, Mark 4, verse 14 says the sower soweth the word. So we know that now we know what the sower was sowing. We go back to verse 1. It says the sower went out to sow, or verse 3. Now we know what he was sowing. He was sowing God's word. Say this out loud. God's word, God's word is, seed is seed for every good thing, every good thing. of God's word, of God's word for, my life. for my life. So God's, God's, God's word is the seed, and that seed, well, when you put it into your heart, comes back out of your life. Amen. In Hosea 10, at this time in Israel's history, Again, once again, the whole, I just want you to understand this. The whole Old Testament is the story about a people that God chose through his covenant friend Abraham. He chose these people called the Jews. And, and time and time again, it was so, it's so, so depressing when you read, heart-wrenching when you read how God would bless them and then they would turn and, and worship all the idols of the world. And then they'd go into such chaos in their lives. Because why? Because they were sowing, what, they were reaping what they sowed. But here's what he said. Here, here's what he said to them. This is how much God cares. He said to them, sow for yourselves according to righteousness and uprightness and right standing with God. Watch this. And reap according to mercy and loving kindness. How, wanna, how many want to reap mercy and loving kindness? Isn't that beautiful? He goes on, he says, he says this, he says, um, break up, see, that's your decision. Break up your uncultivated or hard ground, for it's time to seek the Lord, to inquire for and of him, and to require his favor till he comes and teaches you righteousness and rains his righteous gift of salvation upon you. Amen. Or when he clears you of all injustice and restores you to divine favor, because that's what God wants. Let's stand. We're going to pray together today. That's what God wants. When we come together on Sundays or Wednesdays, 
My greatest desire is not only that you hear something from God, but that you receive something from God. It, it warms my heart when I hear testimonies of God touching people's lives. Because, because Carl, you did something that a lot of people forget to do, is they leave here believing that their bodies are telling that they didn't get anything. They leave here saying, oh my God, I didn't get nothing. I'm still in pain. You know, I must have not had enough faith. I, I, I must be, I, I'm not worthy. You know, I screwed up last week. Obviously, that's the problem. No, shut your mind up and just say, God, thank you. Because every person that Jesus healed in the Bible didn't stop to get a resume from them, to get a history lesson on their lives. And how many agree that if God would do that to the sinners, that he'll do it for us as people. But it's something that you cannot, I mean, you have to be very careful how you treat that miracle that if I prayed for you, if I prayed for you and God says, anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, will the prayer of faith save the sick? See, so that's what you hold on to. Feelings has nothing to do with it because your body will always tell you your body will always tell you that you're not healed. Like I told you on Wednesday night, I've been dealing with a foot issue for at least two months now. And my, one of my passions is to go out and run. I love to go run outside. It's a, I, I, I don't run as much as I used to. I walk and I run, I walk and I run, I walk and I run. Why? Because I don't want to pass out and die. Anyway, I, so uh, but my body's telling me, you know, you, it's, treat me a little better. And, but my heel got so bruised on one of my runs that it, um, it's, it's taken me a while to, I'm much better, but man, that was, a, that was a tough journey I went through. But I told you, when I stand up here in the pulpit and preach, literally, literally, and uh, zero pain. It's just amazing what the anointing does. So you take that anointing and you hold on to it, praise God. Everybody say amen to that? Amen. You hold on to it, because God has it for you. So I want you to bow your head for a moment. And we're going to close by simply, by, by, by something I, I said a few years ago. Now, how in the world do you dig up seed of stupid stuff that you said in the past? You do it through repentance. The biggest lie being perpetrated today, perpetrated in many churches, I mean some good church of pastors that I, I mean, I know personally, They've, they've allowed some teachers in their pulpits that has not been healthy that literally teach that you never have to repent for anything. Never. And I cannot find that in the New Testament. And because repentance is simply judging your own heart and, and letting God know that, hey, sir, I'm so sorry. I've messed up, but, but I'm asking you for mercy. And I'm really sorry. And I'm going to do my best by the help of your spirit to do better in this area. Amen. I said, amen. amen. So bow your head. Now I want you to stop for a moment and examine your heart. And, and if there's been anything that you've been saying derogatory, because I've said enough through, through the years, derogatory about what God says about you, then repent right now. Say, Lord, I just say it in your heart. Say, Lord, I'm so deeply sorry that I don't want the seeds of the things I've been confessing to come to pass. And I, I'm so deeply sorry, Lord, and I just repent right now in Jesus. Amen. I repent. 
Amen. Father, I repent in Jesus' name. I repent for the words that I've said that are contrary to your word. And they're words, God, that do not benefit my life. So I repent before you. And I ask you, Father, to cleanse me with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I receive that by faith. And Father, I thank you that those seeds that I planted are dug up in Jesus' name and will not come to fruition. God, thank you that I'm living under an umbrella of your blessing, even right now, because I've confessed my sin. Hallelujah. And I thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Come on, lift your hands and give him praise. God, thank you, Lord, right now. You're doing a mighty work. And Father, I, uh, Father, I just, right now, Lord, as we prayed Wednesday night, Lord, I loose that same spirit of healing in the body of Christ today. I thank you, God, it is your will that we be healed from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. Father, we're not going to wait until something comes. We praise you right now that we are the delivered. Hallelujah. We are the healed. Come on, give him praise. We are the ones you set free. And I thank you, God, that every time, God, we gather together, we're being changed from one degree of glory to another. And God, I call Faith Family Church blessed. I call Faith Family Church members prosperous. I call them healed. I call them delivered. I call all them, hallelujah, blessed from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. God, thank you. Everybody lift your hands and give him praise today for a moment. And Father, God, thank you that as your precious believers leave here today, that they'll carry this anointing out into the world that is so hurting. That God, we will open our mouths and let people around us know that you are very loving and very gracious and very merciful and very compassionate God. Father, anoint our lips to speak. Anoint our feet to carry us to the places that you want us to go to minister to those you want us to minister to. Will you thank them out loud for that? Thank you, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Now give God a good shout of praise. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.